It's 12 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. Thank you to, to all of the listeners um, that have sent through those WhatsApp voice notes. And, and really, um, your your generosity in, in a moment like this and extending it to the Haroon family. It's just, it's beautiful to be to be a part of. So, so thank you for just how well considered your contribution um, to the conversation we've had in, in the 10 o'clock hour have been. To wrap us up for today, the final conversation we're having is looking at the relationship between language and culture, particularly in a country like South Africa, where we've got 12 official languages. It is 12, right? I'm not wrong on that one. Where we have 12 official languages, and we know the role and the emphasis that is often placed on language itself as a way to carry um, culture. Professor Tabo Ditele is an associate professor of sociolinguistic and linguistic anthropology and an RFF. Uh, let me try this again. And an NRF rated researcher at the Tswana University of Technology. Uh, Prof, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Uh, good morning, Kathy, and thank you for inviting me to your to your show. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Now, I, I want to particularly speak about some of the ideas um, that you have been uh, really playing around with that are around language and how language is not necessarily um, the only preserve of, of culture. And you've, of course, tried to detail this in a piece that you put out um, for, 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 for the Daily Maverick. Firstly, let's begin with looking at the role that language plays in societies. Uh, yes, Katie, that is a very interesting question. Um, yes, language, firstly, uh, you know, it does two things in the main. The first thing that language does is that it, it helps us communicate as human beings, right? So it's a, it's a communication tool. That is the first thing. The second thing that language does is that it transfers knowledge. So language on its own is not knowledge, but it's a tool through which we use to transfer knowledge. Now, to many people, the two roles of language are intertwined. It's one thing. Um, so if you look at English, for instance, it's a language that you and I are using now to communicate. But I could teach you one or two things about how my people, the Botswana, do things. I can teach you a lot about that as a communication tool. So to most people, um, it's impossible to do that. You cannot teach the culture of a language, uh, of a, 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 the culture of a people using a different language. And that is the narrative that I sought to challenge in that piece to say, it is, this is not backed by, 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 by history of mankind. Mankind has always been able to use language A to communicate ideas of a people associated with language B. So that is, in essence, the narrative that I was, that I was challenging in that article. It's, it's an interesting idea because, um, so a couple of things that, that, that I perhaps want to throw out there and you can just re respond accordingly. So when we talk about knowledge being used to transfer 
information, right, um, f- between people. One of the things that sometimes happen when you translate information is that there are things that get lost in translation. Simply because it's hard to perhaps evoke the true meaning of a sentiment that is expressed or for, for, for one to retain the true meaning of that sentiment in another language. And we see it often um, in this country where uh, perhaps something is directly translated from Isizulu, Isxhosa, Sibedi, and translated to English. And how it's said in English and what it means in English is not quite what is intended in the language from which it has been translated. So that, of course, then comes down to how, because of that challenge, how you would genuinely preserve culture if language is not such a big part of it. What would be lost in in the process? And the other, of course, is that in many ways, culture and what we view and perceive of of, of our culture is, you know, is, is hedged on, on language, you know. When, when you say, I'll use the example of Babedi, um, you know, you are Emobedi, and we call certain things um, in a certain way because we are Babedi. So if you take that away, what does that make us? Because even some of the tools that we have, um, the artifacts that we have that are part of our culture may not necessarily be found in other cultures. That is correct, Kathy. I am not for one suggesting that the two should be divorced or the two are not intertwined. I make the argument that there is no dispute that culture and language are, are linked. My argument, the thrust of my argument is that uh, there is something that we generally omit, which is four best results. And I emphasize it at least more than once. For instance, if I have to explain something um, you know, that is deep in cultures, you know, an expression like we say, in other words, it means if a boy is suspected of having done something wrong, he gets punishment first, and then we look at the merits of that which we accuse him of doing. Um, and, and if we find that uh, it, it truly he had a case to answer, then he has already received his punishment. But if we find that we punished him for nothing, then it is what it is. So it is something that I cannot clearly explain or have an alternative expression in a different language. That is why I would say for such expressions, for best results, the language should be used. But by and large, ideas of how to be respectful in a particular culture can be expressed in a language other than that language. Right, ideas can be, can be done. And by the way, there is something that I always emphasize, Kathy, about convenience, to say language exists for our convenience, not the other way around. If we really are interested in explaining, right, or describing what the, the Bapedi mean, we, we can always find ways of, uh, you know, getting that message across. 
So just to be clear, I'm not saying that language should be done away with. I'm simply saying that history of mankind shows that it is possible. And in the article, Kathy, you would have seen that I've used two groups, in fact, three. I've used South African Indians as an example. They appreciate who they are. They know which part of the Indian subcontinent they are from. Uh, but they don't do that through Tamil or Urdu or Hindi. When they cook their food, they, 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 they will tell in English what this food is. They don't use a Tamil word. So this is one group that has demonstrated that it is possible to carry culture across generations, even when a language, uh, even through a different language. The Basarwa, another a good a good example, you know, the Basarwa in, in Namibia, in Botswana, in South Africa, they now mainly speak in, I mean, Africans or Setswana. But look at what they do with their culture. They still are able to explain what their plans are. They don't do that in the, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, the languages that their forefathers used to speak. So these are just but practical examples. I mean, I've been to Brazil. I have met people of Japanese descent in Brazil. Many of them don't speak Japanese, but they appreciate Japanese food. They know how to cook it. They celebrate Japanese, uh, you know, uh, holidays. They know everything about Japanese, except that they do that through Portuguese, which is the language that is spoken in 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 Brazil. Perhaps the 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 fear in South Africa is that this is an unknown. We're just too scared to admit uh, that you know that the, it's possible to do it in other languages. So what do we do? We 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 inculcate this fear mongering that if you don't do it through this particular language, it will die. And that's one of the things that. I, I I tackled I tackled in in the piece. Thank you, Katie. I, I want you to talk to me about th this panic, as as you describe it, or a suspicion um, among South Africans that seems to place so much weight on on language, and how perhaps the um, I, the word is not eradication, but but really um, the way in which we use. Indi indigenous languages less frequently directly means that our culture then will be affected at, at the end of the day. What is What have you observed around this for us as a country? Uh, well, even that, Kefi, I would challenge it. I haven't seen evidence um, that if uh, people speak less of a particular language, they are incapable or they don't have the ability to communicate that which makes them a people. I've just given you, uh, you know, three examples. So if other communities, human beings like us, are able to do that in a different language, why would we fear that it is not possible to do it in another language? And for once, I repeat, I am not for the death or the less use of our languages. I'm arguing that the fear-mongering that if you don't do it, then it will die. That is not backed by, by, by history. That is not backed by evidence that, that, that we see. Yes, there's a genuine concern that 
uh, you know, African languages will decline in usage if we do not, you know, use enough to speak to our children. That's a genuine uh, uh, discomfort, and I agree with it. But we cannot then take advantage of people who are restless, who are nervous, and communicate things that are untrue about the relationship between language and culture. That's the angle where, um, you know, this is where I come in to say, yes, let's continue to speak Sepedi to our children. Let's continue to speak Setswana to our children, but let's not be alarmist and pretend that if we don't do it now, they will be dead within a generation. They're not going to die in one generation, especially when you look at the institutional state support that they enjoy. They're here, they'll be here for a long time. And, and by the way, there, there is another issue that you brought up into the conversation that I, could, I, I want to quickly touch on. The, 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 the issue of, um, you know, uh, you know the, 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 the terminology indigenous. Uh, I know that's not what you're talking about today, but I have my, my thoughts on, uh, you know, indigenous to say, if you say Sitwana is indigenous, to where we are. How far back in history do you go? Do you go 2000 years back? How far back do you go for something to be indigenous? But that is a debate for, for, for another day. Um, I just thought I should throw it in because I've written also about my thoughts on what is indigenous in terms of you know the, the history of our country. The other point that you raise is around the fragility of, of language. Um, and that while it may be fragile, um, as you've touched on now, it's not easy to, to kill a language. It's not easy for the language uh, to die. So, so what does it take um, to, to kill a language? And, and do you have examples of, of languages that, that have simply been er eradicated off the face, let's say, of, of South Africa? Because that's our context. That's, that's where we live. Ah uh, yes. Um, again, I go to the point about institutional support, right? If a language doesn't enjoy any support institutionally, and institutional would be like the media, you know, uh, you know, DSTV as we know it, government, that's institutional support. If it's not support institutionally, then it runs the risk of dying sooner than that rather than later. Now, if you look at the amount of a legislation that has been passed to preserve uh, South African languages, you can see that uh, there is an effort, right? The amount of, uh, 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 you know, uh, scripts that are written for, you know, the African languages to be used in, you know, in, in popular culture, it tells you that they are not in danger. What people may be thinking, uh, uh, you know, why people think they are in danger, it's maybe domains such as formal ones, right? The platform that we use now is a formal domain where we communicate in English. At work, people speak more English than they do their languages. But that is, if, if domain is an issue, it shouldn't then be used to paint a picture that is, that is elsewhere. They are not used. There are domains where our languages are used and they'll continue to be used. So there's no reason why, if they are not used in one domain, we then use one paintbrush to say, then it means they are on a decline. That, that's not necessarily the case. That's not how you read uh, death in a language. 
To your point about languages that have died, they did not enjoy institutional support. If you look at languages that were or are spoken by the Khoi and the Sen people, right? Firstly, they don't have, um, um, even though government acknowledges that they are there, they are not official. There's no budget to, or there's very little budget to preserve them. So that, that's, that's creating a fertile ground to see them die. But a language like Sipedi, you know, that, that, those conditions do not exist. You know, it's used at university level, there, there's research done on it. So chances of it dying within the next two, three generations are, are quite low. We're in conversation with Professor Tabo Ditsele. He is an associate professor of social and linguistic and uh, linguistic anthropology, the relationship between culture and language. What do you make of his views that, you know, languages are constantly evolving, that even some of the languages that we speak today, yes, they might exist in about 150 years' time, but they won't be in the form. Um, in which we use them today. And, 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 you know, one of the examples that is often used there is an example of, of Afrikaans. And I want uh, Professor uh, Ditsele to, to unpack that for us as we continue uh, the conversation right here on The Talking Point. I'll also be taking your calls, but this will be on the other side of the news headlines. You can dial in on 86 Zero eight six triple zero two zero three two on the WhatsApp voice note line zero six one four one zero four one zero seven and he's saying he's not advocating for the death of 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 language um, because it is intrinsically linked with culture but he says even if languages die culture will still find a way of prevailing it's eleven thirty time for your latest news. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. We further explore the relationship between language and culture and what culture would be without the languages that we often hold as the preserve of the very culture that we speak about. Professor Tabo Ditsele is our guest. So, Prof, you know, the point that you make around how language is ever-evolving, I think is also an important important one um, because we don't often think about how sort of every day we're changing language to suit um, what it is that we want to we want to speak about and I think South Africa provides really good examples of that you know they they are South Africanisms if I can put that in, in, in inverted commas, that have been taken from across the language. But once somebody mentions it, we know exactly what, what, what they're talking about. Uh, yes, there are many. I mean, I, um, you know, the, how we use the word sorry, right? Uh, other people understand sorry to mean you are, you've done something that you're apologizing for. But for us, someone drops a mug on the floor. You have nothing to do with that mug. You just say sorry to them. You know, you feel them. In other communities, um, you know, I, I remember I was in Cologne, in Germany, when someone dropped a mic and a, a, a mug on the floor, and I say, oh, sorry. And one lady from Quebec, I didn't know that she's South African, asked me if I was from South Africa. I said, how did you know? 
She said, well, how you use the word, sorry, told, it, it gave you away, <laughs> yeah. right? Even how we use now, now. Yes. South Africanism, yes. we use now, now to, to not mean now, but we mean now, shortly. Now. It will happen shortly. <laughs> yes, now, now. Even how we use sharp, you know, uh, you know, mm. we use that to mean uh, it's it's okay. Mm. You know, it almost, it, it's fluid. It goes with, with complex, uh, or, context. Or, or even now, a word, or even a word, Prof. Ditele, like age. Um, yeah, like age. I mean, what is age? But you go anywhere in South Africa, somebody says age, and you know exactly uh, what you they know mean. What, what they mean. Yeah, even ah, you know that you just say ah, people know what you mean in the context of saying ah, you see, um, yeah. So I don't know whether you want me to go back yes, to yes, the African question. Yes, yes, you can please go on, yes. Yes. Now, if you look at history of Africans, I mean, it started as a you know, non-standard variety of Dutch, right, in the, in the, in the, in the 1600s. And it developed, developed, developed out of contact between people who didn't have a common language, uh, who served the administration of the Cape at the time. It then settled as, you know, Combe style, and then in 1925, it became a language. Now, uh, today, it's, it's, you know, in South Africa, is the, it's one of the, you know, in fact, it's, it's the youngest, uh, you know, language, but in terms of development, it's second only to English. So it has shown, you know, Africans is a good example of how if people, um, you know, put an effort in developing a language for a purpose. Remember what I said, language exists for our convenience and not the other way around. So Dutch did not serve the purpose of the time. It was replaced with, with Africans. And some of the cultural practices of the Dutch were carried across into Africans. Um, of course, it's not like how you know people practiced you know in 1655. Uh, you know, it took its own shape. So we have a distinct culture in South Africa today that we associate with people who culturally identify as Africaners, whether they speak Africans as a home language or not. It doesn't. Not it. It, it doesn't matter. We continue the conversation with Professor Tawodi Taylor. Prof, I want to bring in some of the views that are being expressed by our listeners uh, before I take calls. I'm going to uh, play some of the voice notes that have already come through. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Good evening, and the guest, Mark from Pretoria. Talking about languages. Uh, there's a saying, uh, talk in a medium that both parties understand. So I tell you, Tsotsita, street language, is the best at all. Rafurstana. Doesn't matter if you're white, Indian, black, colored. Wafurstana. Monsprat, Lekatal, Sunse, Dakomihatas. We know exactly what does it mean. Eda, Senga, Mary, Ifestan. So, and, uh, you're from Cape Town, you're from Southern, you're from Rusty, you're from Pitori, you're from Shosha, you're from Alex Raforstana Lingo. That is actually the number one language. Momzanzi. Awa on Sustason. Good morning, Kathy. It's Brian Mabai from Portland. The thing is with the language issue is that we as the parents, we are failing our kids because 
we have got we we have those parents who try to feed their children in the in those old model C schools, which which teaches them not to speak their own home language, but they to embrace either Africans and English. Yet knowing that they must put their language first in everything that they do. Just imagine your child is going to model C language, he forgets his language, the mother doesn't teach him his language. After 10 to 20 years when he's inside a taxi or the community, he will feel like he failed, grandma by protect. Good morning, Kathy. This is Anela Indeben. I think, uh, Kathy, language sometimes, in some cases, has been used to discriminate um, other people. Because in order for a person to be taken serious, it, it, it takes to be fluent in, other, in that certain language. I don't know what we should do to just take ourselves or take each other seriously other than that what language those people are fluent in. Thank you. Yeah, those are just some of the views coming through. Uh, Prof, so Zital, is, is that our common language? And as, as of course, he recorded that, that voice note, some of the words he's using, you, they have universal meaning in this country. We all know what, what they mean. Ah, uh, yes. In fact, we have many Tzotzitals. Um, um, you know, Tzotzital is not just one language. In fact, Tzotzital, it's, it's a stylet, right? It's, it's, it's lexical items that are embedded in a standard language. So you can speak Tzotzital through Sipid. You can speak Tzotzital through Sitswana, Tzotzital through Africans. It is just that. Uh, the Africans, uh, uh, you know, matrix languages is commonly used. Uh, because of what happened in Kofifi. Uh, but, you know, since the, the 60s, Tzotzital um, has now split into different languages. I mean, even in Venda, I've read an article where someone showed that the matrix would be Chivenda and, you know, they will embed uh, lexical terms of Tzotzital. But to, to your point, Kathy, yes, um, a, a style of speaking like Tzotzital, like um, it's here to stay. And it connects people because it has what we call, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to use the word dictionary, but a collection of total uh, lexical items that people know what they mean. Um, um, so what he means there, he, he's right. It, 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 you know, if, if you if you talk about um, um, someone is a clever, which is a total term, people would know what you mean. You don't mean that you mean the clever of C L E V A, not the C L E V E R. You know how you know President uh, Zuma used to use it clever. That's how it used um, in, in, in Sojita. So it is. It's it's here. It's going to stay uh, for as long as we live in multicultural and multilingual societies. Such a variety will continue to thrive, whether we open to the idea or we do not. If I All could right. also, Katie, touch on the other two points, if you may, if I may. Very briefly, please. I want to take Peter and the first Very state. briefly. Yeah. The, yes, the issue of the uh, gentleman from, from Protea, he is right. What people do not realize is 
the economics of South Africa. Our economics is grounded around English. So if you do not have access to English, that tends to affect you. So parents, you know, the economy has made that choice for parents. Parents don't do that. They, they don't make that choice themselves. They look at what happens in job market, which tool their children need to access economic opportunities. Uh, and then they then take them to to such schools. Um, yeah, I think I think, yeah, I, I'll end there. All right. Peter in the Free State. Good morning. Kathy, uh, um, talking or rather referring to the last point that Prof uh, made about the economy, I want to ask a question about the possibility and the wisdom of using a language like Swahili for purposes of the African continental free trade area for the whole of uh, the 54 countries in Africa because of the many languages across the continent, not that one looks down upon them, but the one language that is likely to unite people uh, on the African continent in terms of um, them um, using that language for economic purposes, I think it's Swahili. If you look at the Lion King, we know the popular phrase, because it borrows from the number of languages. Perhaps if Prof could advise on that. Thank you. All right, Peter. Thanks for that. Prof? Yes, the debate about Swahili um, tells us something. It tells us that, uh, you know, people believe that multilingualism, as we have it in South Africa, cannot work or does not work. Thus, needs to be replaced with another language. On the flip side of that idea um, is that people are going to say, um, we are fighting to have our children speak our home languages. Now you're going to bring a another imposing language. So you actually uh, will be replacing English with Swahili. I'm not sure if you know what the, what, the, what the temperature in the South African room is regarding this idea. But it is not a bad idea, but once it's adopted, people should know that it will have a domino effect on the their home languages because now there will be demand for Swahili because now it will be the new economic tool uh, replacing English or working alongside English. So the unintended consequence will be the decline in the African languages that are spoken in South Africa. Kathy? Hi there, Joanne from Cape Town. Oh, the thing about, sorry, Ukolo, it's just, I just love it. When I understood uh, what it means, I used to work in the hospital and when I, I would drop something and then all the closer mamas would say, Ukolo, and I'd like, oh, sorry. And then I was like, no, it's not your fault. And then I learned it's a it's a feeling empathy you know i'm sorry it happened to you and it's just so beautiful i love it good morning kathy this is gsmo speaking i think uh, the professor is trying to say that uh, the language itself doesn't define culture but culture can define language and uh, at times to define some cultural things you need to explain them in a language that's easy to communicate and to understand like he's made an example 
of, of uh, a certain something you want to explain it it's a cultural thing and for for, for that thing to be understood uh, uh, you need to use a certain language like he spoke about the the say the asian people of asian descent the japanese in in brazil speaking portuguese yet still uh, uh, sticking to their cultural things cultural beliefs and practices but in a different language but making sure ensuring that uh, the, 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 their culture is not forgotten thank you this is gsmo spacing very very good uh, uh, discussion from the professor all right. Thank you for those contributions and uh, a lovely uh, anecdote there around the use of sorry Utolo in Isitkosa. Professor Ditele, always insightful speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's a pleasure, Kathy. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. That's where we leave it for this morning on The Talking Point. The show back with you again um, tomorrow. Coming up next is the update at noon. Of course, I don't leave you alone. I leave you with the book reading.